Okay. You all right, Brandon? You kind of sound like you're not feeling. You've just been running all over the building too much. Is that what's up? I'm sorry. Let's pray. Let's pray for Brandon real quick. Anybody else not feeling great today? I'm serious. Is anyone else not feeling great today? How's everyone feeling? Good? All right, then let's gather around Brandon because he's not feeling great. Come on. Okay. Well, I don't know what took place right there. The time has come. Let's try this again. That's one of the prophecies. How did you know? Uh, I like your picture of the Milky Way. Hey, there it is. This is annoying. We'll have to figure out another way to do this maybe for later. Stop it! I will. Then you won't be able to take notes on your computer. No, I have to take notes. If you're looking at this, I'll do it in a post-it. I've got one. What? Mm -hmm. Oh, we just. Oh, is it your computer that's not functioning? I don't know. I hope not, but it might be. Are you running close to your memory? Mm. Okay, the inward groan, we talked about that. What's next? Desire in the heart of God. Okay, here's the deal. This reality has been burning on the heart of Jesus since before the foundations of the world. Okay, this is his, this is plan A. A lot of times we think about, you know, the, the resurrection and the plan of salvation, etc. as like, you know, God fixing our oopsies, okay? But the Lord knew this was going to happen. In fact, this was his plan. And he has been desiring this to take place since before the foundations of the world. That is, this is the burning thing on the heart of Jesus. If you think about, I think about my brother is going to get married here in about four weeks, okay? And, uh, and I tell you what, the day, his wedding day is definitely on his mind right now. The day when he doesn't, you know, there's, there's no more barrier between him and Sarah, when there's nothing left, you know, when they are one, finally, and that in way more than just physical terms, that they are made one being. Aaron, you can, you just went, you know, just had this happen a year ago. It's burning on his heart. At Jesus, that, the pic, you know, Man and woman, husband and wife, is just a picture of what God wants to, of, of, of what God is going to accomplish, this stupid piece of junk. You don't really think that, don't No, I don't. I love it, but I don't know what's wrong with it. You pick that book. Just keeps quitting on me. Stop quitting on me. All right. Who's, I don't have email addresses for everybody. 
That's fine. We will desire what he desires and we will want what he wants and we will find and 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 that is why we want to study the end times because God's passionate about this subject. God's passionate about this reality. One of the things that I love to I love to talk about, and I think I've talked about this with you guys a little bit, but is all the little hints in the Old Testament, all the ways and the hints and things in the Old Testament that God gives us about the end times, ways that he's, you know, ways that he has just kind of uh, worked the end times into uh, things in the Old Testament. My favorite one is Joshua in the Battle of Jericho, mostly because it has my name. No, I'm, not, I'm just kidding. But... Because it's so it's so obvious that most of us have never thought about it. Okay, we have Joshua. I'm actually remote presenting to him, and he's going to hook up to the network. That way, I'm not Who? like. So you're Brandon. remote presenting to Brandon? Yeah. Okay, so then Brandon, you should be able to connect to Apple TV. I haven't started the remote presentation yet, but I will as soon as you're ready. Um. Oh, Prezi. That's right. Yeah. Where was I? Okay, so Joshua in the Battle of Jericho. Have we talked about this? <coughs> this is so cool. Okay, because what happens is Joshua is approaching the promised land, right? And he's about to go into the promised land, the land promised to God by our by you know by him through here you go. I just started that. By him, the land promised to God. Promised to Joshua, to Abraham and his descendants, by God from years from years past. Okay, and he's about to break into the promise that has been sitting on this people for for a thousand years now. Maybe not quite a thousand years, but he's about to break into the promise that's been sitting on. So he circles the city seven times. Yeshua circles the city seven times, and then with the shout and the trumpet blast, he breaks into the city and takes the promised land. Now, does that sound familiar to you at all? That was this beautiful hint of God from before the foundations of the world. Guess what? This is how I'm going to do it in the future. All right, here we go. And it hasn't moved yet. I've already done it. Uh, Come on. This way, I would be able to control it, and you wouldn't have to. Well, now you have an assistant. That's so exciting! All right, I'm going to send this to you, Brandon. It's always the positive element. But I remember the first time that I that I realized that Je that Jesus had worked in. You know that Yeshua is Joshua's name, and that is the exact same name as Jesus. <coughs> So the true and better Joshua is one day going to circle the city, quote unquote, 
I can't. And is going to break in with a shout and with the trumpet blast. Is that exciting or what? Nobody's excited about this. I'm excited. <laughs> we talked about this the last time we had. I'm sure we did, because I love talking about it, because it's awesome. God's been working these kind of things. If you read in the book of Job, he says to, uh, he says to, uh, God says to Job, have you seen the storehouses where I keep the hail for judgment day? Now, Job is the oldest book in the Bible. It's not the oldest story, but it's the old, you know, it's not the story that takes place that far back, but it's the oldest book in the Bible. And Here's God in the oldest book in the Bible saying to one of them, I'm making preparations for judgment day. That's pretty huge. That's pretty unbelievable. It's pretty amazing. This day burns in the heart of God. And because of that, what in the world? What did I just do? Because of that, we need to care about it and we need to spend time on it and we need to go after it because God really cares about this. Be wild what? Okay, they sent you an email. You should be able to get to it. Okay. Please forgive me. I hope if this just becomes too much of a ridiculous hassle, then we're just going to forget it. Um, even though I worked probably 20 hours on this stupid thing. It's okay. I'll use it myself for other things. Well, you know, I I do. I probably will have future all day eschatology classes. The end of the world party. I don't know about the end of the world party part. But. Oh, come on. oh, it did. You know what? I think I may have shared the wrong one with you. <laughs> One with unicorns, Rima. <laughs> Positive thoughts. Wait, no, that's that's my. Uh, that was the sex talk. I'm sorry. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't. This just became a whole new kind of all day long class. I'm ready for. I mean, if you guys want to go there. No. <laughs> that was just for you two. That was just for you two. <laughs> I sent you the wrong Prezi brand. Sending you another one. Yeah. <laughs> and this is a penis. Um, <laughs> but your boys, you already know what that looks like. So let's go on to...
Okay, the desire in the heart of God. What? <laughs> okay. We love the Lord. We love God, and so we want to know what's on His heart. We know one of the things. One of the things that I pray about on a regular basis. Can you make it bigger? <laughs> You're gonna want to, yeah, like hit that button in the corner there. There you go. He's working. Now we're about four slides in. <laughs> Woo! 236 to go. There's about 150 slides, yes. What's the keyboard controls? Oh. Yeah, it's arrows. Just use the arrows. Hit one more. One more. All right, one more and we're done. Okay, and well, you're caught up anyway. Okay, the third reason we need to study the end times is because... Of the signs of the times. I thought that was the fourth. What'd you just do? If you click on anything else, it's going to pop out of that. Uh, I know it's really annoying. No clicking on anything else, Brandon. You no I thought this was the fourth reason. I thought the first reason was 150 chapters. Two was the inward growth. Two was the desire of the heart of God. Okay, the next reason. Whatever. I don't know. Is the signs of the times. Now check this out. And we're going to talk about this in much more detail later. But here's the deal. Go back one. Oh, did I go too far? No, my first one is the Israel is a nation again. It's over. What are you doing? <laughs> signs of the times. Next. There you go. All right. Here's the deal, folks. For the last 2,000 years... Until 1948, Israel was not a nation. And so most of, if you look at uh, commentaries, etc., on Revelation, on Daniel, um, all of those kind of things that predate 1948 and Israel being a nation again, all of them will try and symbolize Israel's involvement in the end times. They'll try and say, well, there's not really going to be a temple. There's not really going to be an Israel. It's not really going to happen there. Church is the, new, the church is the new Israel, blah, 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 blah. Well, all of a sudden in 1948, there was... A there was a prophecy fulfilled, which, again, we're going to go into this in much more detail. All of a sudden, Israel's a nation again. So all of a sudden, after 2,000 years, the prophecies of the Bible can take place literally. That's not been true that whole time. I know for you guys, like, hey, Israel's always been a nation as long as I can remember. But that has not been true for most of the time since Jesus came. And here's the deal, folks, that has never happened in history, that a nation went out of existence and then came back into existence in a day. Yeah. 1948? 1948. It was a version ending. It was, it, well, the Balfour Declaration yeah. happened before 1948, but, and they were saying, we want to make Israel the home place of the Jews. But then the UN declared Israel a nation in 1948. I think it was May... Something in 1948. All of a sudden, Israel's on issue again. Boom. Out. Just nobody saw it coming. And to this day, people still are going, why didn't we do that again? I'm not kidding around. I just heard a conversation with some historians, and they were talking about why Israel became a nation again. And they had each of the historians on the panel had a different reason. None of them had the right one. And the right one was God is preparing for the end time scenario. And he's, he had to have Israel as a nation for that to happen. Not only did he have to have Israel as a nation, but he had to have Jerusalem as the capital of that nation, which happened in 1967. 
And he needs a new temple, which we'll talk about later. Okay, next. The culture is darker and more like the days of Lot and Noah than it's ever been in two different... It's the next slide. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah, just wait for it. <laughs> it's going to happen, folks. When did you say just a second. after you said Jerusalem became, as the capital, became in 1967? 1967. And we're, 1967, and we're still And we also need temple. a temple, which we don't have right now, but there are plans, okay? So your point is with the signs of the oh, time, right. that they're just being leave it, leave fulfilled? The co- they are being, yeah, the signs <laughs> of the times. We should know, as these things are beginning to get checked off, these are the things we need to have before the end. Now, we, we have... We have Israel and we have Jerusalem. We don't have a temple yet, but we're going to get one. Next, the culture is darker and more like the days of Lot and the days of Noah than it's ever been. Now, there's a couple things going on here. Okay, the days of the days of Lot and Noah were both characterized by a couple of you know primary signs. All right, the the in Genesis it says that the um, the thoughts and intents of the heart of men were constantly evil all the time. Right before the days, that was during the days of Noah. But there were also incredible sexual perversion going on in the culture. Um, a high rate, and, and, and especially this is especially uh, uh, prevalent in the days of Lot, but homosexuality was coming to the forefront more than it ever had in, in the history of the world. Yeah. So this probably has a lot to do with the whole uh, transgender kind of thing. Then. Very much. That's, this discussion has never happened in the history of of. of humankind, that we're going to put the stamp of normal and acceptable on things that all cultures throughout history have considered at least dirty and at, at you know, best, or if you want to say it, abomination. Never in history has this taken place until now. Now, it was moving that way in the days of Noah, and it was moving that way in the days of Lot. If you look at, uh, if you look at the way that uh, Lot treated the angels that came to visit him and the people of the people. What did you just do? Oh my god! What did you do, Brandon? Did you unplug the the Apple TV? Is that what you did? Okay. Anyway, is everything okay? Yeah. All right. Great. No, no worries. So the culture is darker now than it's ever ever been, and there's no sign that it's going to get any better. Now, I, you know, a lot of Christians kind of run around with their hands in the air saying, we've got to change the culture. We've got to change the culture. And I'm going, have you read the scripture? We aren't going to change the culture, folks. It's not going to happen. The culture is only going to get darker until Jesus comes. <coughs> and besides, who wants to change the culture? I want to see Christianity lived out in its fullness, and then we can talk about changing the culture. Let's get the church on the right, you know, standing on both feet and living the way that it's supposed to live. And then we'll talk about the other things. But until then, will you shut up about changing the culture? I'm not interested in changing the culture. And besides, I don't think it's possible. What? I just didn't, I just didn't know what that was. We don't want to home share anything. Okay. Next sign. Earthquakes, famine, wars, and rumors of wars. Okay, Jesus said that those things would happen. And as you know, they're happening everywhere. Floods, earthquakes, famine, war. You know, there's this gigantic flood going on in uh, 
Texas and Oklahoma right now. Um, there have the earthquake in Nepal only weeks ago. Uh, war all over the planet. Yeah. Okay, right now. The 20th century was the bloodiest century in human history. Do you think we're getting close to the end? Because I do. So, the signs of the times. That's why we need to study the end times. All right, and when, when he gets ready, we move on to the book of Daniel. So if you want to get your Bibles out and open to Daniel chapter 2. That would be spiffy. And I will go find Daniel chapter 2 in my notes. That wasn't mine, actually. That was his. But it doesn't matter. All right, we are going to walk through. Daniel had multiple eschatological visions. Do we need to go through the terms today? What What is eschatology or eschatological? What does that mean? Yeah. A study of last things, end things. This is what it means. So eschatology, study of end things, last things. I'm going to use that word eschatology all day long today. Say it with me, everybody. Eschatology. Eschatology. Okay. And then uh, eschatological is just something that refers to eschatology. Daniel was probably the most uh, powerful end times prophet in Scripture. The only one who comes even close to Daniel's, kind, to Daniel's level of vision and understanding about the end times was John, the beloved, um, who wrote the book of Revelation. Daniel wrote, uh, was given visions, multiple visions. We're going to talk about, I think, four of them today about the end times. Now, not just the end times, but he was given visions for how the world would play out during his time and and all the way to the end. Well, there's some interesting things about Daniel. You guys know Daniel's story, right? Daniel was born in Judea. He was a, you know, he was a Jew from Judea, and when he was a very young boy, he was captured by the Babylonians and taken to Babylon. He was raised this is what they would do. <laughs> And it was really, really smart, actually. The Babylonian Empire, what they loved to do is they would come along and they would grab up, they would go, you know, they would take over these countries. And they would grab up the smartest and prettiest of the, of the nation that they, so the, the people that would be in the future, the culture shapers, the culture shifters of that culture, those are the ones that, he would, that they would take. And they would take them back to Babylon and they would give them a really good education in Babylonian thought, Babylonian magic, Babylonian religion, uh, make them decadent, rich, and intelligent, and then would say, now what do you want to do? You can go wherever you want to go. And if they said they wanted to go home, all the better, because they would just take Babylonian culture back home and shift the culture of their home country towards the Babylonian Empire. That was their plan, and that's what they did 
everywhere they conquered. And they tried to do that to Daniel. But Daniel and his buddies were like, um, excuse me, no. They tried to give him rich food, remember? And what did they say? No, we can't eat this because it's been offered to idols. Just give us vegetables and water, please. And because God so blessed them when they went on this vegetarian diet, they put all the rest of the trainees on a vegetarian diet because they were healthier than the other trainees. And I would have killed Daniel and his friends at that particular moment. (laughs) I have to eat broccoli every day because of you! Okay? It would have been a bad day, but that's what happened. The the culture that was God-inspired began to shift the culture of Babylon and not the other way around. That's who Daniel was. Daniel and his friends, who we call Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but that was not their Hebrew names. Those were the names that the Babylonians gave them. Daniel's Babylonian name was Belteshazzar. Interesting name, right? Yeah, it's probably the same name as Balthazar. Anyway, so we know him as Daniel, but we call his other buddies, you know, the other thing. And I'm not sure why we do that. Just maybe because they're such cool names. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. I think they're funny. I think they're funny. I think they're, funny. I think they're awesome. So, we we're gonna we're gonna encounter Daniel in his first visionary experience that we know about. It may not have been his first visionary experience, but it's the first visionary experience that is recorded in Scripture and that we know about for sure. And this is located in Daniel chapter two. Okay, you know this story. <coughs> this is the first time that Daniel's brought before the king of Babylon. Okay, Nebuchadnezzar. The crazy, crazy guy, uh, a prefiguring of Antichrist, by the way, in a lot of crazy ways, a lot of really interesting ways. But he wakes up one day. Now, now you got to understand, in Babylon, the, the word of the king was law, no, no matter what. He could have said, everyone must wear pink forever, and they would have had to do it on pain of death because that was how the law worked in Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar had total authority over all things. That's how it worked for him. That's what happened. Okay? And because of that, he could say whatever he wanted and and it would take place. And he wakes up in the middle of the night and he's had a terrible dream and he can't remember what it was. Don't worry about this. We're going to get it figured out. He's had a terrible dream and he can't remember what it was. And so he he says to all of his wise men, and he has a million different people there working for him. He's got... You know, he's got soothsayers and prophets that study the stars and tell him what's going to happen. And he's got, you know, Babylon is where uh, the whole study of the stars to tell us the future that began in Babylon. Interesting. And he's got all of these kind of people around and he's going, I need somebody to come and tell me. And they say, no, <laughs> your majesty, here's how this works. You tell us the dream and we interpret it. And he says, I don't remember the dream. And if you're so awesome, you should be able to tell me the dream and the interpretation both because you're supposed to be Mr. Magical Man, okay? You're supposed to know what's going on. We're here. So you're just going to want to skip through 
uh, all the end times stuff. Um, or all the, yeah, whatever. The other thing. So, <laughs> don't go too far. Um, he has this, you know, so, so this is, it, nobody can tell in the dream. You know, they're all probably off in their corners, taking their hallucinogenic drugs, asking their different gods, you know, please tell us what this dream is. Marduk, please tell us what the dream is. Okay, that was one of their gods. Okay, and, and they're begging for revelation of the dream, and they're not getting it. Nobody's getting it. And so somebody said, you know, we could ask those weird Jewish guys. Nebuchadnezzar gets so angry with his people that he says, all right, here's the deal. You either tell me what my dream was or I'm going to kill all of you. I'm going to chop off all your heads because you apparently have no power, no worth to me at all. What do I have you around for if you can't tell me a dream that I dreamed? Okay, and so that's where they're, which is, yeah, that's kind of silly, but that's where they were. Okay, and so they go to Daniel and they're like, please, you're our last hope. Now I think I honestly think that they were going to Daniel so they could so they could blame Daniel and and that he would be the only one that got killed because he was the one that wasn't following their whole world. You know, he was the outcast. And I think they went to Daniel so that they could put this on Daniel and they could maybe save their own scrawny necks. Well, the the difficult part is that Daniel actually had a connection with the most high God and so he actually was able to tell the king what his dream was. And here, I'm going to read it to you. This is from Daniel chapter 2, verses 31 through 45. And this is the first time that Daniel has a visionary experience. Daniel usually had them at at night while he was asleep. Okay, so they were dreams most of the time. And, uh, And this is the first time that Daniel sees a vision of the end times. And almost every other vision that Daniel has is kind of just more detail about this first vision. Okay, so this is important, and that's why I'm going back here to tell this to you. Uh, Daniel chapter 2, verse 31. You, O king, were looking. Oh, my goodness. Okay, yeah, keep going. I forgot I put that in there. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. Okay. You, O king, were looking, and behold, there was a single great statue. That statue was large and extraordinary in splendor. It was standing in front of you, and its appearance was awesome. The head of that statue was made of fine gold. Its breast and its arms of silver, its belly and its thighs of of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly clay. You continued looking until a stone... Sorry. You continued looking until a stone was cut out without hands and it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and crushed them. Then the iron and the clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold were all crushed at the same time and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them was found. But the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain 
and filled the whole earth. Okay, so Daniel told him what the dream was. Nebuchadnezzar said, yes, that was my dream. That's awesome. You figured out my dream. That's so great. Now, what does it mean? Okay, this had already proved that Daniel was hearing from God. Yeah, next one. This had already proved that Daniel was hearing from God. This already proved that he, was, that he had supernatural connection because he heard the dream. Okay? He, he, he had seen the dream when nobody else could see. I don't know. Just leave it. Just let it just, you know, whatever. So now he says, please interpret it. <laughs> uh, oh, there it goes. It's because all y'all's is on the network. Okay. Oh, would it help if we just connected? Yes, get on the free network or if, something. If everybody was off That's good. Just leave it there. Yeah. So Daniel interprets the dream. Okay. Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, now, before before we get into the interpretation, I want to talk about this. Why would a pagan king be given a dream of the future of mankind by God? Any ideas? This is Nebuchadnezzar. He worshipped every god that you could even think about. He had hundreds of wives. He was he was an evil, evil man. Yeah. Because he was like the king over the biggest nation at the time. Maybe. So the uh, uh, Daniel, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Could be on good terms with them. Very good. Sure. God was opening up the door of influence. Any anybody else? Why would God give Nebuchadnezzar this dream? Why didn't he just show it to Daniel? Well, that might be true too. Nebuchadnezzar had more authority on earth. So if it was Nebuchadnezzar's dream then, and Daniel was the one interpreting it, then that gave... He was opening up the door of influence through the gifts. God does that, by the way. Aaron? All to kind of affirm Daniel and understanding that, you know, there's more. All those things I think are very true. But there's more. Okay, Babylon, you need to understand the position that Babylon as an empire holds in the prophetic destiny of mankind. Babylon was the first great empire in the earth. And the area of Babylon was the first great concentration of human civilization. Human civilization began in the Fertile Crescent right there right around where Babylon existed. This is the oldest human civilization in history. Now they would say, total atheistic uh, uh, historians would tell you this. Human civilization began. Now, the human race, they wouldn't say began there, but humans began to gather together in, in cities and in civilization and declaring, you know, a, a, a big ruler over themselves here in Babylon. Do you know where the name Babylon comes from? Um, Babel. The Tower of Babel. The last time they oh, it's still in the same spot. They didn't move. A bunch of people scattered. You guys know the story of the Tower of Babel, right? Okay. We have the flood. You know, the human civilization begins to grow, and, and so they, they leave the, they leave Mount Ararat, etc. Okay, and they go walking down, and they, um, no, you're fine. Just we're we're still good. Um, they go walking down, and they find this place that's extremely fertile, and and they be, they set up their civilization there. This is all in Genesis chapter 11. Okay, 
They set up their civilization there. And it's not long before they decide, before the spirit of Antichrist, we're going to talk a lot today about the spirit of Antichrist. Okay? It's not long before the spirit of Antichrist begins to move for the very first time in human history right there at the site of Babel. Okay? Now, it wasn't called Babel at the time. It was called the Plains of Shinar. Okay? But this is it's still right there where they had built the first human city. Yes? So all this happened in Mount No. This oh. all happened in uh, Iraq in between the Euphrates and the uh, uh, Tigris rivers, okay? No, it, it didn't happen in Turkey. It happened, it happened down, uh, it happened, they had migrated down because that area is not fertile and cold and, you know, not a, play, not a great place for human flourishing. So they had all moved south and east to this place over here, which was warm all the time, was very fertile. It was wet because it had two rivers on, a river on either side of it. And it was, and it was just a great place. The, the crust of the earth in that area of the world is several times thicker than it is almost anywhere else, um, except for where there are mountains, etc. Um, and that means that there are a good 30, 40 feet of fertile soil, uh, you know, down through the thing. So they could grow crops like crazy there easily. Farming was invented there, etc., etc., etc. This is this is where human civilization began. And here they are, they're there in this place, and all of a sudden they begin to take on the spirit of antichrist. Now this is what this Satan started this ball rolling. Okay, because Satan saw, okay, here, I have a bunch of humans. I'm going to go back to them with the same lie that got Eve, and we're going to get things moving. Because what was the lie that tempted Eve? Be like God without God. God wants us to be like him, but he wants us to do it his way. He wants to make us like him. Satan offered Eve an opportunity to be like God through her own means and her own strength and her own ability. That was very, you know, seductive to, to Eve. She enjoyed that. She said, yes, I, I can be like God and I don't have to wait on God to make it happen in his way. That was that even, even, an, even a perfect human being was tempted by that understanding. So Satan goes back to this large gathering of humans, the largest gathering of humans that had happened since before the flood. Now, we don't even know what pre-flood civilization was like. We have no idea. The Bible just doesn't say. It just says it was evil. And part of that was that demons were coming down and, mate and having sex with humans and creating these hybrids called Nephilim. It's really fascinating. Uh, but we're not going to talk much about Nephilim today. There we go again. No, it's... Uh... Oh. Well, you can put it back on the screen. <laughs> I have a question while we're processing. Yeah. What scripture was it that Daniel interprets Nebuchadnezzar's dream? Daniel interprets the dream in verse 36 of chapter 2. Just 36, that's it? 36 and following. It's 36 through 45. Ooh, I like the picture. <laughs> They're so pretty. Aww. Aww. Turn it off. Can you turn it off? Never. never. Yay! Never! Never. Okay. So, it's all right. He can get it back on there really fast. We believe in him. So, Daniel said, 
This is all the, these are all the reasons why. Hey, we, we, we're, we're, we're ahead there. Back up a couple spaces. There you go. So this is, this is what he saw. A giant statue representing the authority of man on the earth. Now, Babylon was, and Daniel says this as he, as he talks about it. Okay, anyway. So, so this king, out of this stirring of, of, of the spirit of Antichrist in amongst uh, unif- the, the, full pop- the whole population of the earth being unified with one purpose, out of that rises a, a ruler. Okay? His name is Nimrod. I know that's a, that's a, that's a great name, right? But that's his name. His name is Nimrod. He was, he was the superstar. He was the very first king in human history. Okay? And out of this swirl of humanity saying, man, we don't need God. We want to be better than God. We want to be, rises Nimrod. And he says, that's right. We can be better than God. Let's build a tower that will reach up to the heavens and we'll put the throne of humanity alongside the throne of God, maybe even higher than the throne of God. That was the point of the Tower of Babel. That's why it existed. This was human pride manifested on a scale that had never been manifested before. And they began work on the, on the tower. God looks down and says, no, 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 that's not happening. Confuses their languages. Boom. Instantly creates all the cultures and sends people scattering all over the world. Get away from each other. You can't speak to each other anymore. Now, they all had one language up to this time. Okay. That site is Babylon. That's where it happened. Some people stayed and they built a nation there and it eventually became the first great empire of human history and it began to take over all the nations of the world and Babylon is the the birthplace of uh, idolatry. Greek and Roman gods were all copies of Babylonian gods. Okay? It's the truth. Okay? Babylon was the birthplace of idolatry. Babylon was the birthplace of uh, astrology. Okay? Babylon was the birthplace of, and, and the carrier of, and the symbol of, even in the book of Revelation, the kingdom of Antichrist is referred to as Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar was a prefiguring of Antichrist. That's why he had this dream. Okay, along with the other reasons that you mentioned, which were all true. That's why he had this dream. Because that's who he is. We gotta get this thing just wired in. Ethan. We're working on it. That one more I think it wasn't me. I think Tim's restarting the router. Okay. Well I I'd rather just wire it in because I can do it easier that way. I, um, but it's it wasn't working. The the adapter that he had wasn't working. I can't wire into the Apple TV, but I can wire into the the that. I think I might have an adapter in my office, but I, I couldn't find it. So anyway, we'll look at it at lunchtime. In the meantime, I do want to still try and do this because some of these pictures are kind of important. So here's the thing. Could you? Repeat what? Like the, the whole thing? Like, no, 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 just the reason. Like, like the end point. <laughs> like, I missed that part because I was just... 
Uh, Nebuchadnezzar was a prefiguring of Antichrist. And Babylon is the carrier of of the Antichrist spirit and kind of the name of the Antichrist spirit all throughout human history. Okay? That's, that is how this thing works. Babylon is. Yeah. I remember uh, reading a couple of historical like, things about the whole Antichrist thing, like secular, mainly secular. Yeah. And they were talking about how like there, there was like at least six Antichrists like throughout era, for example, and like in the third one, and they were all saying Adolf Hitler. And they actually mentioned uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Yes. Here's the deal, folks. Satan can read the Bible, but he can't tell the future. Okay? And so he knows that there is the propensity in the human race for a ruler to arise that he will be able to control, that will cause worship of him to spread throughout the world, that there is the the propensity, the evil in the human race to raise up Antichrist. He knows that. And he knows it's going to happen, but he doesn't know when. And I think all of these people, those people that you mentioned, whether it's Napoleon, Genghis Khan, um, which that is the correct way to pronounce his name, by the way. Um, It's not Genghis Khan, it's Genghis Khan. Okay. all, every world leader you can imagine that tried to take over the world, in my opinion, was an attempt by Satan to raise up end-time Antichrist. But every time, from Nimrod all the way forward, every time, God came in and shut it down. Now, he used human agency in one way or another, but God shut it down. God said, nope, 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 nope. God, God is in control of human history, whether we know it or not, whether we believe, whether we can tell or not. And God has been at work shutting down the spirit of Antichrist at every place where it has arisen. Now, we're going to do a whole big long section on Antichrist when we get to the first seal. So I don't want to go much further into this. But that's, that is what's been happening. And, and Nebuchadnezzar was one of those Attempted Antichrist. I believe that with all my heart. And God shut him down in a big way. That's fine. Just leave it on that slide. Okay, so here are here is the uh, the interpretation of the dream. This was the dream. Now we will tell its interpretation before the king. Verse 37 of chapter 2. You, O king, are the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, the strength, and the glory. And wherever the sons of men dwell, or the beasts of the field, or the birds of the sky... He has given them into your hand, and he has caused you to rule over them all. You are the head of gold. Remember, the head of the statue was gold, and this is the picture here. Babylon. You'll understand this again later when we get to one of the future. Aslan? No. It's not Aslan. It's quite the opposite. He is the head of gold. That's, this is Nebuchadnezzar. He's saying, okay, he's the king of gold. Babylon ruled the world for, you know, not quite a hundred years. But still, that's a long time in human, in, in human reality. Nebuchadnezzar was the head of gold. He said, that's you. Now remember, this statue is a representation of the authority of man through the ages. Okay, so this, this is a picture of man ruling himself throughout human history. 
Okay, so we start with the head of gold. You are the head of gold, solid gold. The king had supreme authority, like we talked about before. It could not be questioned. And what he said was law, period. That is the really the only time in human history where, where authority was that solid. That's why he's the head of gold. Okay, because human authority was most fully expressed through his reign and his rule. And here in Babylon, the birthplace of the human rejection of God's provision and authority, dwelt the purest essence of Antichrist spirit that we will not see in full manifestation again until Antichrist arises at the end of the age. Okay, that's what was going on. That's who he was, and that's why he's the head of gold. Okay, it's from, I already told you, it's, you know, pagan religion comes from Babylon, blah, blah, blah. Okay, verse 39, after you, there will arise another kingdom inferior to you. So let's go to the next picture. This is Medo-Persia, okay? And we will talk a little bit more about that when we get a little bit further. But Medo-Persia was there from 539 BC to 331 BC, and that was silver. Now, the reason it was, it's also interesting that there are two arms because it was two empires that merged together as one and began to take over the world. This is right here. Medo-Persia is the, uh, if you guys have ever seen 300, how many of you have seen 300? Okay. The, the, the king, he was from the Medo-Persian empire. Okay. And he came to attack the Greeks. That's, that's the period of history we're talking about. Yes. You say that, right? Yeah. So is that like true how they would do all that stuff, like carry him around yes. on that giant pedestal thing? Yes. And he was like seven foot tall. Seriously? Yes. I don't know that he had a voice like, blah, 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 but he, but he was yeah. very I tall. I was really impressed by it. Is, is that the culture where all the piercings and the body modifications? I don't know about that. Okay. There are some people who think he was. I don't know. That a Nephilim is a hybrid of human and demon. The flood did, but that doesn't mean that Satan didn't do it again. We like Goliath was was a was descended from Anak, who was Nephilim. Oh yeah, we can talk about Nephilim, or we can talk about end times. But it's true. <laughs> No, it was not. No, five foot was the average height. Everybody was much shorter back then. So a seven foot tall man was like, oh my Lord. And a nine foot tall man like Goliath was even more off the charts. The Bible talks about, go look in Genesis, I think it's chapter six. The Bible talks about these, these, the, it says the sons of God, quote unquote, they were angelic beings that came down to the earth. They would have sex with human women and they would produce these, these mutated creatures. They were called, they were, they were giants. They were men of renown. And the only two places in history that we find men, them mentioned in the Bible is in Genesis. And then again in Exodus, as the people of Israel are going into the land, there are giants there. And they are descendants of Anak, who was a Nephilim. So um, that's the only places that they're mentioned in the Bible. It's some really interesting 
thoughts that have to do with the end times. Because in both of those situations, have you ever wondered why God gave them the order, go in to the promised land and kill everyone? Have you ever wondered why, why that is? Go in and just slaughter everyone. Men, women, children, doesn't matter. Kill them all. Now, does that sound like our God? Right? You think, no, God loves these people. You know, it may be that he did it because they were Nephilim. What was God's response the last time Nephilim were mentioned? Flooding the earth. Now, I want to just bring one little point and then we're going to move on. What promise did God make to Eve when they were removed from the garden? Her seed, from her seed would arise one who would crush the serpent's head. If the human race is polluted by demonic seed, can he arise? So Satan got busy right after God made that promise. Satan got busy polluting the human line. And it talks about Noah and says he was pure in his generations. Because Satan was like, what? There's somebody coming who's going to crush me? I don't think so. Get busy, demons. Okay? (laughs) And that's what happened. Now, the the Bible doesn't make this, this clear, but it makes sense, doesn't it? Now, God made a promise to Abraham that from his family, right, so what does Satan do again? The only other place Nephilim are mentioned in, his, in, in, in the Bible, what does he do? He plants a race of Nephilim in the promised land that he promised Abraham. Hoping that they would pollute the line of Abraham so the Messiah could not come. And there are many, many, many people who believe that he is doing it again right now to raise up and that Antichrist himself will be a Nephilim. The Bible does not teach that. It's not mentioned. But and this is going to get a little bit, I'm going to get a little bit conspiracy theory-ish with you for a second, okay? <laughs> Are you aware of the alien abduction phenomenon? Yes. Okay? Yes. Oh my God. No, I know, I know. I, I'm just I'm, we're talking about aliens now. Oh, here we go. I I read a book by a uh, a Christian counselor who was seeking out and counseling people who had who claimed to be abducted by aliens. The more he talked to them, and he would find he would have you know discussions with these people, and they would say, "Here's the kind of things that the aliens would say to me." God does not exist. Jesus isn't real. We are coming. We are going to change human civilization. Very blasphemous things. He believes, he also noticed that no person who had a previous relationship with Jesus Christ had ever claimed to be abducted by an alien. They also said that these aliens were impregnating them. He doesn't think they're aliens at all. He thinks that these are demons, that they are moving into people's homes, and that they are beginning the Nephilim thing all over, Nephilim cycle all over again, in view of the end times. I, I don't, I'm not saying that it's true. I don't know. But it's interesting, isn't it? 
as we get closer to the end times, that Satan would start again. Now, what's God going to do again? Wipe the earth clean once again. Just like he did the last two times Nephilim were on the scene. Okay, I know this is probably a really stupid question, but follow me here. How do we know that we're not descendants of Michael? We don't. Now I will say. Yeah. Nobody break up. So okay. Rise and Eflim. Back. Conspiracy theory topic. The fourth kind. Did you ever watch that movie? Uh, no, but I heard about it. Because okay, it's like the same yeah. idea. Yeah, and he's speaking Babylonian, isn't he? Yes. The, the The alien. Yeah, and it was like, because I had thought that too, because I don't believe in aliens, but I believe that they're demonic forces. Yes. And like, I thought that before, but had no like biblical proof, so. It I wouldn't call it biblical that. proof, but biblical resonance. Right, right. And well, I said there was nothing. Right. So. It's like one of those things where, like, that's kind of how I thought it was because it makes sense. Everything's happening, and if we were descendants of Nephilim, our choice to serve yeah. God, we wouldn't choose to serve God. I was just freaking her out. <gasps> oh. yeah, I'm There's no, <laughs> ne, ne, exactly. A lot of the Nephilim had six fingers on their hands, also, that's and six so toes. So, okay. So, okay. So, the next kingdom, he says, after you there will arise another kingdom inferior to do, to you. That's the Medes and the Persians, and they take over Babylon before the end of Daniel's life, which we find that in Daniel chapter five. The next one. Okay. Then another third kingdom of bronze, which will rule over all the earth, the Greek Empire of Alexander the Great. Okay, and those. Who came after him? All the earth does not mean the whole earth. It just means all the. Uh, it just means the earth that they had knowledge of. They didn't know about China and and whatever. But all the earth that they were aware of was ruled by Alexander the Great and the Greek Empire. Okay, so that is that is the waist and thigh of bronze. And then finally, then there will be a fourth kingdom as strong as iron, and as much as iron crushes and shatters all things. So like iron that breaks in pieces, it will crush and break all these in pieces, which is the Roman Empire. Which broke all of those former, it broke all of those former things in pieces. And if you'll notice, the Roman Empire at the end split into two pieces. Exactly. Okay. So here's Daniel in 336 B.C., uh, prophesying about empires that would not happen for another 200 years. Yeah. Okay, so you said it was the wood of bronze? The, like, the waist the area, the waist and thighs. And then it's the... And then the, uh, and then the legs of iron are Rome. It says, in that you saw the... Uh, the uh, okay, we'll break all these in pieces. In that you saw the feet and toes partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it will be a divided kingdom. But it will, So go to the next one. But it will have in it the toughness of iron, inasmuch as you saw the iron mixed with common clay. As the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of pottery, so the kingdom will be strong and, uh, will be strong and part of it will, will be brittle. <laughs> in it, 
In that you saw the iron mixed with common clay, they will combine with one another in the seed of men. Um, but they will not adhere to one another even as iron does not combine with pottery. Okay, remember, up at the top we had the head of gold, and I said it's gold because the authority of, hum of a human was most fully expressed there. Rome began as a democracy. So it's mixed. Okay, now we will see later the reason for the ten toes. Because Rome has continued until this day. Now you might say, no, it hasn't. Yes, it has. Rome has continued until this day. Don't worry about it. Rome, I mean, go ahead and give it. But Rome is still around. The nations that exist in Europe were given their names and their modern boundaries by Rome. And they still claim a Roman heritage. Rome is still in existence. And out of the former Roman Empire will arise Antichrist. Okay? That's what will happen. Then, okay, so the final empire flows from the Roman Empire. All the countries in those regions, no, 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 no other empire since then has conquered all that part of the world. There have been strong and weak nations all mixed together, strong and weak governments, but none that has erased the influence of the spirit of the Roman Empire. The Antichrist himself will be connected somehow to the Roman spirit and season. His headquarters will be in the city of Rome. The, the city, yes, the city that, that the book of Revelation talks about and calls Babylon is the city of Rome. John makes it really clear. Okay. The ten toes on the feet are the ten kings spoken of in later prophecy, which we will see as we move on into the future, into the next uh, ones. Okay. Verse 44. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. And that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all those kingdoms, but it itself will endure forever. Inasmuch as you saw that a stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it crushed the iron and the bronze and the clay and the silver and gold, the great God has made known to the king what will take place in the future, so the dream is true and its interpretation is trustworthy. In the days of the final empire, which is a continuation of the Roman Empire and will split into ten kingdoms at the end, which is the ten toes of the of the feet. Okay? Our feet have ten toes just because of death? No. <laughs> if there were going to be twelve kings, there would have been twelve toes on the feet. But he actually specifically mentions ten toes. And that's because there would be ten kings. There was already ten toes on feet yes. before the class. <laughs> you don't know that. <laughs> Yeah, unless you were an Ephilim and then you had 12. Um, <laughs> that's not why. But anyway, so then it says a rock will be cut out without hands and it will crush that final empire and it will crush all the remnants of the other empires and it will grow to fill the whole earth. This is the kingdom of Jesus Christ, which will take place at the end of the age and which will go on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. It will crush the authority of man completely. It will crush the spirit of Antichrist forever. It will cut, it was cut without hands. No man will establish this kingdom, but only God. It will end all other rules. It will fill the whole earth and it will endure forever. Amen and amen. 
That is the end of, of the vision, and that is the end of human civilization, the great, beautiful, unbelievable, holy end that is coming, and that is closer now than it has ever been, and we will rule with him forever. Are you excited about this? Woo! Okay. So, Daniel's next vision is in Daniel chapter 7, and actually takes place 50 years after his first one. Okay, so we're going to go to Daniel 7. Let's hope Brandon can pull that up for us again. I don't know why it keeps doing that. Do you think it's the internet connection? I think it's part of it. Is everybody off the IMC network? That's not going to help. No, I don't think it will. Yeah. No, go. And you were talking about like historical. You know the Hasbrook family, right? Yes. Like, you know how, like, basically their family technically ruled all over Europe? Yes. By any chance, is the fam? it's like the Antichrist may come out of that family? Maybe. Because, I mean, they technically did rule, like, all over Europe. And plus, they had Roman ties as well. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I have no I have no idea. I'd be interested. The Habsburgs. England? The, uh, the... The royal, the royal family of England came from the Habsburgs. Um, the former royal families of France and the Holy Roman Empire and Spain all, all had uh, Habsburg ties and, and, and people there. There were a couple of popes that were Habsburgs. Uh, so they, they really, that family really ruled Europe for a very, very long time. But they didn't do it as an empire. They did. And yes, they were a Roman family. So in so many ways, the Roman Empire is still alive and well. In so many ways. It has not ended. Okay, and there have been, there have been, like the, the Ottoman Empire tried to come in and end the Roman Empire. Didn't work. It got shut down. Okay, and we, we can all be glad that that's true because, uh, well, no, because the Ottomans were Muslims. And if, if the Ottomans had, had covered all of Europe, all of Europe would be an Islamic would be Islamic nations. Yeah, they, they also had a lot of Catholic, well, Christian, Catholic, whatever. But they also had a lot of Protestant and also Catholic, you know, nations. Jonathan Josh is my teacher, man. Um, no, 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 no. It's no, good. No, I'm just asking a question. It's true. No, I, so, I, you're absolutely right. Uh, history fascinates me, and God's yeah, control, like God's control <laughs> over history fascinates me, and the way that history works. So crazy. Fascinates me. We just got to get it wired in directly. All right, we are going to take a 10-minute break right now. You guys can go to the bathroom, whatever, grab snacks if you want to. And I'm going to see if I can go find that uh, that other thing. So what was up with all the really metal-looking animals? I love this. Okay. okay. That's what I imagine though. I see like a seven headed leopard with wings in it. Oh my god, it's so metal. Ah, I can't handle it. What? Well, breaking news. Governor George Pataki announced the White House will let me. It's in my package. It's in my belly. What's up?
don't you want arch What? Do
Do you want videos too if we have them or just pictures? <coughs> So the women national team is going to be a female. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I said from Vicky. I'm just going to bring it to me. Right. Next year, when we send someone to Groupie, if y'all don't get it, I'm not going to find for anybody. What are you talking about? Groupie. I said, if you guys don't start reading Vicky, I'm not going to start clarifying for you guys. No, I'm reading Vicky. We can, like, I'm just going to send seven, seven people. Oh my god. Vicky, I'm just sending you a bunch and then you can choose the one you want, okay? Seven people. Hey, like two, three. I might have to email them to you. Mine are on my computer. Hey. Vicky, you got mine? Maybe. I'm sure. I just need I need the right kind of wire. Yeah, we're on. That, that, 
videos in your Facebook photo? Used to have wow. a Thunderbolt to oh, drop bags. HDMI. No, drop bags. Well, the one that I had earlier. I want. I don't want mine. I don't want them to copy on that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you guys, should I send her a picture of the Sims guy from the library? <laughs> 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 <laugh